Ooh. I'm making a decision. He Great. slashed his hand down, so it was final. It's final. All right. Done. Jose's going to do the intro. I've said that like three times. Just repeating myself. Three, two, Hello, and welcome to It's Going to Get Stupid, your favorite podcast. My name is Bane. <laughs> I'm Rick. I'm Holly. I, I'm, yeah. I, I, Just Holly. I lost it. I lost it. Hmm. I lost it. Welcome to another episode <laughs> of your favorite podcast. Um, I just wanted to show my Bane impressionation. Because it's great. Impressionation? impressionation? What's an impressionation? Yeah, impression. <laughs> it's, it's not an impersonation because it wasn't that good. It was an impressionation of it. It's a new word I made up. You, are you trying to impress on us how bad your impression is of Bane? Because wow. I'm impressed. Yes. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm glad. That's what I was going for. And I always strive for what I'm going for. Anyway. Um, hi, we're glad to be here. Um, and I wanted to let you know, sure if, you wanted, if you wanted to email us, you could email us at it's going to get stupid at gmail.com. You can go to facebook.com slash it's going to get stupid. You can X us at IGTGS show. You can Instagram us at it's going to get stupid. You can search it's going to get stupid podcast on YouTube. And you can leave us a voicemail at... 281-870-4055 like our friend Marlon who recently called and said hi this is Marlon I'm not sure if I'm calling the right place I was looking for a pinata I saw that you guys had up wanted to know if you had one in stock if someone could please give me a call back thank you we sell please pinatas back. I did not did call Marlon back he's looking for a pinata he's so mad right now this is Marlin. poor customer service Oh, wow. Marlon, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Marlon. Marlon, I'm sorry. We're dropping the ball. We are so sorry. What ca- Marlon, email us what kind of pinata. pinata? What's a pinata? pinata. Do you want? Is that like a panini? Look, I, can't, I can't talk today. <laughs> uh, email us what pinata you'd like, and we will um, point you in the right direction. <laughs> or you can search it yourself. I don't know, dude. Poor Marlon. I hope he found the pinata. What if it was for his daughter's birthday and she had Oof. nothing? And then he's like cursing us. Curse I mean, you. It's going to get stupid curses. So here's what I don't understand. Like our voicemail message says how you've reached. It's going to get the it's going to get stupid hotline. I'm pretty sure uh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. We should call it. <laughs> so I admire his commitment to like maybe this is the name of the pinata place. Well, also, like, I'm pretty sure this is the third number we've had. So this probably was owned by a pinata place. It might have been. Should we sell pinatas? Should we we sell? It's going to get stupid pinatas. I think we should. Let us know if you want an it's going to get stupid pinata. Send us (laughs) $54.99. Three easy payments of (laughs) $54.99. Oh, yeah. 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 There you go. There you go. Please help us. Um. Well, today we're going to do something a little different. Not really. We're just going to talk about movies, but um, which specifically we're going to do a, what is it called? <laughs> Cult classic deep dive. Cult classic deep dive. Yes. We're going to talk about one of your favorite or maybe not your favorite movies uh, it should um, be. and kind of just deep dive into it. <laughs> like if it was a pool of cinematic richness. My gosh. 
Yeah. I just gave, I'm just giving the visual of what we're doing. We're diving I don't like into it. I don't like this yeah, visual. I don't, I don't know what's yeah. happening. Yeah. I don't yeah. like this visual. Okay. Which, which movie are we diving into today? Are you eating? Are you, like, did you? No, no, I'm not. That's no, why not. he wants you to talk so he can like finish <laughs> his snack. I'm not eating at all. I did not put anything swear, in my mouth. I heard a rapper in the background and then it sounded like something went into your face. No, <laughs> you're mistaken. That's the mask. <laughs> Anyways, today we're going to talk about The Fifth Element, one of Luc Besson's great masterpieces. Um, is it masterpieces or masterpiece I? It's masterpieces. It's definitely what is not a masterpiece. masterpiece. I've never heard that word in my life. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Why Maybe it, it should be masterpiece What? So if you broke something into pieces, you broke it into piece I. I dropped my phone and the sh- cover is shattered to piece I. Oh no, grandma's urn shattered into piece I. <laughs> but that means it only broke once. Pieces, you weirdo. Pieces. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, uh, mm, let me have some of these Reese's Pisai. <laughs> I love Reese's Pisai, though. Love it. You know what? So does E.T. Don't you get crazy eyes at me? No, 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 no. I like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Yeah? I used to really love Reese's Pieces. Because they're awesome. I don't really care for them anymore. Get out of here. You're fired. Like, I could eat like a handful of M&M's. Right. I don't like M&M's. But I couldn't eat a handful of Reese's Pieces. Because they're delicious. And you don't deserve Why not? I don't know. They're they're just peanut butter. I think if it were just like, I think it's the hard shell on the Reese's Pieces. What are you talking about? I know, but I have the candy coating also. But I like the hard shell on the M&M's. I don't like the hard shell on the Reese's Pieces. What do you think about the M&M's with the peanut butter inside? Hold on, hold on, Rick. Are you saying that the shell on the Reese's pieces is or pieces oh, is harder than M and M's? No, I just it's something about like I don't like the Reese's pieces hard shell around the peanut butter and the chocolate. I'd rather just have like like you know the like peanut, you know like a Hershey Kiss, like how it's just foil wrapped and you get like yep. and it has like sometimes it'll be just be chocolate and then sometimes it'll be chocolate with something inside of it. I wish it were like that. With the with the hard shell inside of it, That's no, weird. no hard shell, no hard shell. Just like a it's chocolate a hard... surrounded by peanut butter, or peanut butter surrounded by chocolate. Yeah, yeah, that's oh I guess, man. They already have those in the Hershey's Kiss peanut butter ones, and they're kind of gross. Do no, you, see, do I you love like, those. Do you like the peanut the, butter filled M and M's? they're not my favorite because they're not well, good. It's the hard shell. Yeah. It's so. the same shell that they use for the other M and M's. I know, but for whatever reason, with chocolate, it works. It, like with just chocolate, it works. What does this have to do with the fifth element? Well, someone brought up Reese's Pieces. No, you 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 said Pisai, and then it all like do, like I went Reese's downhill pieces from there. Were the fifth element? Okay, uh. <laughs> now now we're gonna bring it back. Anyways, uh, we recently watched this movie, uh, Holly and I. Um, it was one of the movies that Holly and I both really love, and we forced our kids to watch it. Um, and our daughter said, gave it a big thumbs down. Big Oof. thumbs down. And our Picked son, our son gave it a, it was okay. Okay to good. So um, did you pack her bags or what? <laughs> Is she no longer in the family? We moved them both out. They no longer live here. 
um but it's one of my favorite movies um you know i was in i was in high school uh when it came out uh genuinely enjoy it uh it's i think it's a fantastic sci-fi film that has a lot for everyone right it's not super dark it's very vibrant it's it has a lot of energy to it and it's not like i think a lot of the movies that were coming out during that era um i it was 1997. Is that the same year Titanic came out? Because I think they were up for they were both up for the award uh, for the award circuit um, during that time. Oh, you don't want to go against Titanic. Um, they won everything. And so, uh, no, 97. Yes, yeah. that's when it came out. It's definitely 97. So, yeah, 97. Okay, but was that the same year Titanic came out? Yes, 1997. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so obviously, it didn't win. I think it won for like sound design. No. It was up for sound design, and Titanic ended up winning for that. But it won a lot of like sound design. Yeah, Titanic won for everything. That's dumb. Um, but I think it did win. There's a sci-fi movie awards show, and I think it won for a lot of that. Uh, but before we we dig into like our favorite parts or our favorite lines, because there's a lot of quotable lines from this movie, um, I did some digging, and I found out. Um, some information about who was originally cast for these roles. Um, so uh, Luke Besson, you know, this is, this is his original IP. He came up with it when he was in high school or when he was a teenager, very inspired uh, by Valerian. Is it, it's Valerian. Valerian with an N. Valerian. Um, very inspired by Valerian, the graphic novel, um, who he, I believe he ended up hiring one of the artists to do some of the, uh, production design for the fifth element like to get which the, is also crazy because then he directed valerian the movie which is not good you shouldn't was, watch it it's not 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 good at all and i have i have a, a thought about that because so the the movie that luke besson did before this one was leon the professional which is also a really good one we should probably dig into that one as well um otherwise known as the professional in the united states um so he did that movie first. He tried to get the fifth element done in 1991, but he couldn't really find anybody to uh, swing the budget for it. Um, yeah, I forget ex- what the exact number was, but he ended up reducing it down to a 90. I think it was 90 million. No, that seems too high. Um, he ended up reducing the budget. And finally, after he did the professional Columbia decided like, okay, like we'll, 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 We'll produce this. Like, we'll give you the budget for it. It was so, 90 million. It was 90 million. Okay. Yeah. Um, so originally he wrote, the, he did write the the role of Corbin Dallas. He had a different name, but it's a, it was a, a name that I would have a hard time pronouncing. Um, but he eventually changed it to Corbin Dallas after uh, some production work had been done. Some design work had been done. Um, the idea of Corbin, of the main character having a taxi that he drove um, to kind of, it, it kind of helped him solidify the character a bit. Uh, but originally it was written for either Bruce Willis or Mel Gibson. Oh. Um, Ruby Rod was, it was between, uh, I want to say, it was originally offered to Prince. Um, Which I think ooh. Prince would have been, I don't think it, it would have been a different would, completely character, different character. But I think it would have been amazing if yeah. Prince were a Ruby Rod. But Prince couldn't swing, he couldn't agree to it because of touring schedules. So he, he couldn't he couldn't be a part of it. Um, the role then came down to Jamie Foxx and, um, and Chris Tucker, right? No. But yeah. 
obviously like I, I mean chris tucker fit that role so well or just like how it fit into that universe just so well i can't imagine anyone else doing it um gary oldman did the role of zorg uh as a favor to luke Besson because uh he was later going to I believe direct uh, a Gary Oldman a movie that Gary Oldman had written, but he did it as a favor to uh, to Luke Besson for you know working with him in the professional, um, and just kind of he actually doesn't care for the movie and didn't care for uh, the role of Zorg himself. Oh, but he but was so good. He plays it so, so well. Good. So good at it. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like he hated it, but he was just like I wasn't. He was like I wasn't a huge fan of the role. Wasn't a huge fan of the final film um but he did it as a favor um also uh dad uh chris tucker made the 50 performances that ruined movies list did he (laughs) yeah which i think is unfair because even though that character was super like uh crazy annoying that was like the point yeah like he was supposed to be like way out there and whatever and lastly the role for uh uh, for Lilu, um, there was like at least 200 people that they auditioned for it. Mila Jovovich w- was not the front runner, uh, but ran into oh. Luke Besson at a hotel. Um, like her, her first performance did not like her first audition did not go well. Uh, but he, she ran into him at a hotel and convinced him to give her the role. My eyebrows up. The other person that was in the running, you ready for this? Ooh. Elizabeth Berkeley. Did she also oh, meet him at the hotel? <laughs> so, yeah. No, she probably tried. Um, that, uh, I'm glad it went that way. Yeah, and so um, I think everyone that fit in this movie, you know, obviously did a really good job, um, and they fit their character so well. Um, the interesting thing about Bruce Willis doing it is when the... So Luke Besson tried to get it done in 1991, couldn't get the funding for it, he did have talks with Bruce Willis about doing it, um, but it just it just didn't work out before it fizzled out. In between that time, Bruce Willis did Hudson Hawk, which didn't really do very well. And there was another movie that he did that also did not do very well. And so when Luke Besson was meeting with one of the, I think it was one of the Columbia producers um, or executives, Bruce Willis happened to be there. And he said, you know, like, I did like the movie, um, he's like, if, if I can read the script, um, again, his, not that Bruce Willis career was hurting, but he didn't have any big blockbuster hits at that point. Um, it, this was like 94, 95. Um, and so he gave him the script. He read it a couple hours later, gave him a call and said, I'll reduce my salary to do this movie. Um, like oh, his wow. salary requirements. So, you know, it was definitely Bruce Willis, I think finding something that he really liked, in this story and feeling passionate about it, which I think is great when an actor does that. Like you can see that in the performance that they give. Um, but I think it would be a completely different movie when, when Holly and I were talking about this earlier and I told her like Mel Gibson was also up for the role. Um, my initial reaction I think is based on Mel Gibson of today. And that would be awful. Yeah, Mel Gibson back in like 94, this is lethal weapon was days. total different guy. Yeah. I don't think he would have done as good of a job because Bruce Willis genuinely 
is kind of a dry, like, the way he, like, delivers lines, which really worked for the character. I think Mel Gibson would have brought something totally different, not necessarily bad, but I can't visualize it because all I know is Bruce Willis, and he did such an amazing job, like, he is Corbin Dallas, so... I don't know. I mean, Mel Gibson, it, it might have been uh, something interesting, but I think I think they got it right. Yeah, 100%. I, I feel like he would have played it too straight. You know, Mel Gibson can be funny, like Lethal Weapon, but I don't think he would have been that same kind of... He's not like, as dry, and I think that character really needed something dry. Yeah. Well, especially like like when uh, Ruby Rod's inter- like uh, interviewing him, and they were like, what do you have to say? And he's like, what? <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think the way that Bruce Willis kind of delivers lines, I think it really worked for the character. Agreed, definitely agreed. Um, one of the things that I remember vividly when this movie was coming out was that Luke Perry got like one of the top billings. I believe his name is on the poster. He at that time was Drew Barrymore in Scream. Yeah, like she top billing, and then you find out like what they were in it for five minutes. Yeah. Like that's insane. Yeah, in the very beginning, that's but it. this is this is uh, still nineties like pit days. Yeah. Like Luke Perry's in this movie. You just you don't said peach pit days. Peach pit days. You're not gonna like. Uh, we're just gonna. We're going to tell you that he's going to be in the movie. We're just not going to tell you how long. Because he was in the movie. He was definitely in the movie. He was definitely a selling point. <laughs> I mean, Drew Barrymore is like front and center, biggest face on the screen poster. Yeah. You know, spoiler alert, she dies within the first five minutes. Drew <laughs> Barrymore doesn't die. He just, but he's not in the movie. He's yeah, not in the movie. In the <laughs> yeah. Five minutes. He's in there for five minutes. But he was a selling point to get the kitties in there. Yeah. He, well, he doesn't was. get shot. I thought he got shot. No, he no. he shoots okay. at the. He kills. Oh, he kills. He does the bad thing. Yeah. So he shoots at the at the Mondochiwan Mondo uh, whatever Mondochiwan. Yeah. yeah, he shoots at the Mondochiwan <laughs> that is walking in because he gets startled uh, because it's a giant alien robot looking thing, um, yep. which triggers like this kind of like you know th- they're at the the temple and it triggers like the temple to like shut down right. Mm. Um, and then that's all you see of him after the spaceship takes off. Uh, Luke Perry is nowhere to be seen, but his name was at the top of that poster. Yeah. But that was also way in the past from when it, the movie takes place. So he wouldn't be alive anyway. That was, he probably died an old man. So for those of you who have not seen the movie, which I do highly recommend, um, it takes place. So the movie kind of starts out in the forties, forties or fifties. Yeah. Starts out in the 40s or 50s um, with this uh, this explorer trying to find, you know, he's like researching ancient tombs. This is where Luke Perry comes in. Um, and there's this kind of priest that has this ancient order that he's a part of that he's supposed to kind of teach one priest to another and uh, help this alien race protect this weapon, this this ultimate weapon that will destroy all of evil uh, in the process. Um the the Mon- and that's the Montecchio Empire. Um, in the process, they kind of you know Luke Perry starts shooting at aliens because you know he's an American and that's what we do. Um, and everything kind of goes goes bad. The Montecchio escape and it, the kind of the story leaves off from there. You jump to the uh, year. It's like it's in the twenty three hundreds. So we're several hundred years in the future, and the this big giant evil mass shows up and um threatens to destroy everything um 
and they have to track down the fifth element to use as the as the ultimate weapon to stop this evil entity um, from destroying all all living beings and creatures. Um, it's very fantastical, very vibrant. Like I said earlier, um, different from a lot of the sci-fi that was coming out at the time. You know, most sci-fi was very gritty and dark, and this was super vibrant. What it when I think of it is it was it did not have a graphic novel source material, but honestly, like it it feels like a comic book, right? Like the coloring is is super bright. The story it's not super complicated, but there's enough of it to where like you get invested into the characters as you're watching the movie. And if if you read like a really solid like graphic novel that's like just one kind of like meaty issue, that's kind of what you want, right? Like you kind of want this story that. You know, it it begins and ends. It's you're not having to read like a hundred issues of X Men um, and a hundred issues of like Wolverine just to like know what story is happening across all the different series. You're just invested into this one story. There's a lot of universe building, um, and it moves really quickly. Like there's not a lot of lulls in the movie whatsoever. No, it's pretty pretty action packed. Yeah. Um. It was 1997, so there was still a lot of um, actual models that were made. I, I want to say like the city was made at like twenty, like one one twentieth scale, um, so that they could do blue screen in front of it. The cab uh, that uh, Bruce Willis' character drives was physical. Um, Bruce Willis is strapped in to the cab, like while it's driving, uh, like on a it's on a green screen, but they're moving him around. Um, Lilu, uh, not Lilu Dallas, Mila Jovovich was not strapped in. So like, as they're moving the cab around, like she's just kind of rolling about. Yeah. Like at this point, she's kind of like an unknown. So it's like, yeah. we're sorry. We don't have the budget for a stunt double. So you're just going to get thrown around, man. Yeah. Is that okay? And she did a lot of her, a lot of her own stunts. The only ones that she didn't do were like a lot of the acrobatics. Um, they did have a gymnast come in and do that. But for the majority of everything else, she did have a lot like she it was really her um, in in the scenes. Um, I don't know. What are some of y'all's favorite parts of the movie? Um, I definitely like all of Oldman's scenes. Yeah. Um, the the, uh, the one where he's like, I it, Another part, like the storytelling part of the movie. So basically, they, you know, they, they meet up with uh, Lilu and they're trying to find the stones, the elemental stones yep. to stop this evil entity. Well, the stones are being guarded by this opera singer. Really cool part, too. But anyway, on this um, cruise ship, basically it's a spaceship floating around. And so they're going to that cruise ship. And at the same time, Zorg... Uh, Gary Oldman's character is is thinking he got the stones because his mercenaries like destroyed one of the Montecuin ships and took the ca- stone case. Well, he brings in the stone case, and at the same time, like Lilu is telling them that the stones are not in the case, and it's like this. They cut back and forth between them. Really cool way they yeah. do. It. I just like how yes. they do it because like, they're t- they, one side tells a story and they cut back to Gary Oldman, and then his his anger and frustration with them, and then the fact that like. He's because he's trading him for guns, basically. Yep. With his mercenaries. And then he goes, uh, he goes, you know, I'm a, I'm a man, you know, I'm a, he's like, I'm a businessman. I understand. And so you leave him with a case. And then he, he goes outside and he goes, you know what? I really like a dyed in the wool killer. 
a die in the wool killer would have told would have immediately asked me what that little red button on that the gun is and then it shows the mercenaries in there and they press the red button and it blows them up because it's a self-destruct thing it was it's a great great scene man yeah i love it i wonder if that was um his idea to be like country like because it it like you rarely see like in some like space movie like the main villain and he's like he's very country and like not like, like, te- like Tennessee country, country. yeah like Tennessee country yeah. Yeah. But he's like well I'm just gonna t- I don't know it's just so very country like southern yeah and so it's like I wonder if he said you know what this is this is the this is the character I want to be because he's so like uh like random with, I mean, he's kind of like Billy Bob Thornton when it's like you give him a character and it's like, just tell me what like your ideas. And they always come up with something crazy. Like Billy Bob Thornton, like his first few major roles, he was like, I need some disability. Yeah. And they were like, why do you need a disability? He's like, just, I want one. Like he just wanted something crazy. And so he always had like a limp or, uh, I don't know. It was like a lot of his movies sure there's something off and those were always his requests yeah. like i want to be disabled in some way and it's like i feel gary oldman's the same way he was like so tell me about this character now i'm going to create the backstory and he's from tennessee <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's just it was so random but it it was uh it was awesome i love it yeah i mean there's a lot of undertones about like you know, good versus evil. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of like kind of hinting at like the bad that is capitalism in in this way. Mm -hmm. And Gary Oldman's character kind of like embodies that. Right. Um, there's this really interesting conversation that, um, so, uh, I think his name is Ian Holmes that played the, the priest. Yeah. Um, Cornelius. Yeah. Cornelius. Cornelius. Uh, So Ian Holmes, uh, Cornelius has a conversation with Zorg at the Zorg's at Zorg's office. And they have this really interesting dialogue, a kind of about like how Cornelius is fighting for good and Zorg's just fighting for evil because he does communicate with the big evil mass that's floating through space. Um, And there's this really like kind of interesting dialogue between Cornelius who, who only sees things in black and white, only good and evil, but Zorg has a much more nuanced approach to how he sees things, how the destruction of something can actually lead to creation, right? Because he breaks a glass and then like all these little machines come out and, and do this, do their jobs. He's like, look, I just broke this glass. And then all these little, like I just created life because all these little machines are, are doing their thing. Um, it the movie doesn't say like who's right and who's wrong, but then at the end of it, Cornelius ends up saving Zorg's life um, because he chokes he, he chokes on a cherry he chokes on a cherry pit, which he was able to just like press a button and get a cherry pit. Um, that's one of my favorites, um, and it leads to a lot of discussions about like you know was Cornelius you know Cornelius only his philosophy is like you you only do good right good things create. Um, and, you know, when the kind of like Federation wants to destroy the evil mass, they shoot missiles at it. And his his warning is like evil begets evil. And like you're going to try to blow this thing up and it's just going to get bigger. Right. And it's kind of like alluding to war, which yeah. ends up being a big plot point towards the end of the movie. But Cornelius does save Zorg, who is kind of like a representation of the big bad in the movie. So 
in his act of kindness, in his act of doing good, he allows evil to still live. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite parts in the movie. Um, I think it, I think it's an interesting uh, thing. Um, but I love uh, just Mila Jovovich's uh, multi-pass scene. Uh, it's easily one of the one of the best. She, you know, her and Corbin Dallas are are leaving. They're going off to on the cruise ship, and she pulls out the card. And she's like multi pass. <laughs> Leela Dallas multi pass. <laughs> I think I just <laughs> loved like the way that she portrayed like learning. Yeah, because at the beginning she's just like talking in this other language yeah. that nobody understands and like like as she, like she, as she absorbs things and she starts talking it's like very yeah like Rick really likes the chicken scene too where she puts yeah. a little pill in the microwave and then chicken <laughs> just goes chicken. 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 chicken but I mean the whole like I don't know she was it was just a she did it very well. It yeah. wasn't, you didn't feel like she, like in the, when she's in the cab and she's trying to explain to Corbin Dallas what's going on and she's just like rattling on so fast and it wasn't like, oh yeah, you're definitely talking made up language. I mean, she was yeah. totally like, it was totally believable and it was endearing. Yeah. It wasn't frustrating, even though they were trying to like communicate. She was getting frustrated, but I mean, the whole, please help. We do yeah. this to the kids a lot, which is the main reason why we wanted them to watch the movies, because, like... We say these lines so we often. We say these things so often, and then, like, the kids are like, we don't know what you're talking about. So we're like, fine, we're going to watch the movie, and you're going to understand. And so now when we do it, they're like, ugh, not this movie yeah. again. But, yeah. Yeah, so the language that she spoke, they referred to in the movie as the divine language. Because yeah. she is, like, this kind of, like, divine creature. Um, uh, Luke Besson made her communicate in it on the set as often as possible. To the point where, like, one of the things I, I watched said that they actually wrote letters to each other in that language. So that it would be, like, just second nature. Um, That's crazy. Uh, to her, like, as, as she's doing dialogue. One of the things that I thought was interesting about this movie and The Professional and why I think Valerian didn't work was the chemistry between the two characters, how yes. important it was. And I think his his writing, it it does really well when there's this there's this one main character who has kind of been through it. Right. Leon is uh, an assassin. He's a hitman. Um, Corbin Dallas was a was a mercenary, right? He's seen the good and bad. He's been in war. They've both been kind of like jaded by what reality is. And then the other two characters that they're paired up with, and I'm drawing a blank on Natalie Portman's name in The Professional. Matilda. Uh, Matilda. Um, have this innocence to them. Yes. Right? Even, even though they have, like, um, for Matilda, she's she's been in some serious situations, but she's still innocent about anything outside of her own situation. Right. And the same thing with Lilu as her arc is going, she is very innocent as she learns and you can see her character change and speak more fluently and just learn more about things and learn how kind of things work to yep. the point where then she, you know, kind of loses that innocence. And same in, with Matilda. And in Valerian, neither character had that. <laughs> oh yeah. It was just, 
it was just kind of awkward. Like the the chemistry between the two actors wasn't there. There was they were both kind of playing the same character from different parts or yes. from different perspectives. And there it, it led to, I think, in the story, the characters need that imbalance of the jaded character and the innocent character in order to kind of I think his stories do really well in that structure. But yeah, I mean, I, I, they're basing it on source material, so it's not necessarily like you can't. I know, but I, but I think I don't know. There was a lot that I only read like a couple of those comics, so I don't know it as well. But I don't know. I, I think uh, it was kind of a miss, a big miss. Yeah, because I think there's like ten of them. I mean, there's a lot. I don't know. I think it was just too much to put in a movie and to make it make sense, and yeah. it didn't make sense. Yeah. Visually, it was really nice, but that was yeah. it was terrible, a bad movie. Oh, it was funny. Holly and I were talking about about this movie earlier, and our biggest concern was Rihanna uh, being in the movie because it's always awkward when like a pop star decides like they want to start acting. Um, and you're like, no, don't do it. Yeah, you're like don't do that. Don't do like, it. Especially, you don't need to do it. Especially something that we were both really looking forward to, and surprisingly her character was not the problem like, she was and, so no. good and her she acting was, so was not the problem in that good movie in it. yeah she was really good in it surprisingly really good but yeah. and i say dandahan and kara devaney yeah. not it just didn't work it was a hot mess and we say surprising because it's not that rihanna is talented it's just like a lot of as we've stated before on this podcast a lot of singers or pop stars don't do that transition very well yeah to going into acting um, and so I don't know. I think that chemistry is super important, and I think the chemistry between Corbin Dallas and Lilu is there. Um, and I, I just thought it fit really well. Um, their chemistry as actors and their chemistry as characters. Well, and they just—I mean—they played the part really well. I mean, because you were talking about like the innocent, like she, her innocence, like she's losing that innocence yeah. when she finds out things and at the end it's just so sad because she realizes like like people are mean and she doesn't know what love is and she's yeah. supposed to do these things and why and so it was just it, it's sad like you were kind of heartbroken at the end because yeah. it's like yes everything's really bad but you've met someone who even though he's jaded like he really is like a good he's a good guy yeah like on paper he's done a lot of bad things but he really is a good guy and he really just wanted to like help so i have a question it might come off as cheesy you're always cheesy lilu is not the fifth element in my opinion she is a weapon right? love is the fifth element but, yeah. <laughs> but love would be that fifth element right and we've seen that before in other movies like for example i watch interstellar probably way too much and in that movie, oh, gosh. love is the thing that trans that can transcend gravity and time, right? And in essence, like I kind of feel like that's what it was because putting if she was truly the fifth element, putting her in the center of which that's also one of my favorite scenes when they figure out the stones. Um, yeah, and they, they have to join all the psi yeah. together. Come on, come on, I got, I got no fire, I got no fire, and he he blows on it. He's like, "What did you do?" He's like, "Well, I was just here, and I stood here, and I and I said this, and then, and then it worked." Yeah. But if she were truly the fifth element, right? Like just putting her like in the middle between the the four, the four stones that represent the other elements, 
um, I think would have worked, but it's without the, without her experiencing love. Was it love or hope? Because she was, she had hope in the beginning. She lost that hope in humanity when she got shot and was like hunted down. And so in the end, when he was less like, I'm like, you're totally fine. I'm going to sure. be here. Like she had hope again. So is it hope or love? I still think it's love. Because oh, Corbin had to, had to prove to her that he loved her. Uh, maybe. I mean, but that gave her hope, right? So <laughs> You're I mean, both wrong. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I mean, she's she is the fifth. I mean, she's, I guess you could say, yes, she's not necessarily the fifth element. She is the um, fifth element, but she was broken. Well, but, no, but she's like the fifth stone, right? And so the stone has to be activated right. as well. So what gives her i i think okay, i think you're fair. right hope, hope is the actual activator for her okay. because she lost hope but love is the thing that gave her the hope right so no I'm, i definitely love was related but i think it was like that she had hope in humanity again yeah. when she lost it so love would be the trigger for her you just want it to be love no, huh? no, no 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 it wouldn't so so okay think about like uh matrix yeah. Okay. Sim- similar concept where um, he's telling Neo the one is predetermined to have like a love for all humanity or hope, you know, hope, but he sees it very singularly in one person, in Trinity. which is Trinity. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Like hope is what she needs in humanity. But for Lilu, she didn't see hope because she learned about all this negative stuff. But then she, with Corbin's love, she has hope because there is one person that is displaying unconditional love and it's not all that evil crap she saw. So it wouldn't necessarily be love. It's just something had to give her hope and it was just happened to be Corbin's love because it's a love story. I still say it's love. He's over here shaking his head. Over (laughs) shaking his head the whole time you're talking. I did not. (laughs) My head was completely still. It looked like this. I was just thinking to myself how wrong you both are. Oh man. Two gets one, you lose. Yeah, you lose. Boom. Don't make me stop recording. Big bada boom. Bada boom. Bada boom. Anyways, that's what I kind of, uh, you know, after I did some digging, I don't know if y'all have anything else to share. Uh, yeah, also, everyone saying that they're Corbin Dallas was hilarious. Everyone so, what? Because everyone's saying that they're Corbin Dallas oh, yeah. at the airport <laughs> because first it's, it's uh, the little assistant guy yeah. who's Corbin Dallas. And then Corbin, you know, Bruce Willis comes in Corbin Dallas. And then after they leave, then it's the Monda, the, the, not the Monda, the, uh, the back, the mercenaries. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I forgot those guys are called who, who can shape shift. And they say that they're Corbin Dallas. And then they start losing their shape shift. And then it's uh, Zorg's right hand guy. And he's like, I'm Corbin Dallas. And it's like, okay, you're Corbin Dallas. Really? <laughs> yep, and that, and that guy was uh, tricky uh, for Massive Attack. I've never seen Massive Attack. I'll just take your word for it. Uh, yeah, it sounds, a, sounds it's a it's a band band. Yeah, oh, it's a band. Yeah, yeah. But you could see I them. It was, I it was a movie. I mean, you could definitely see them. They still, I think, they still do tours. Uh, but yeah, they're they're a band, and he was a member of it. That um, was he had started doing some acting right around that time. Um, I want to say he was in that and he was in the Crow City of Angels, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Him and Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop, another one that shouldn't act. He needs to stop. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm more okay with him acting than I am with this music. What? Get out of here. I, I it yeah. just it, it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me. 
Wow, Yojovic got a golden raspberry for worst supporting actress. Yeah, because this movie is either like, it's one of those things where it's like you either love it or you absolutely hate it. So Princess Bride. Yes. Where I love it. I think a lot more people love it than hate hate it. it. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess anything that you do that you're going in the future and you're just making up a bunch of like things and places and yeah. I think people get really like that's never going to happen and they, they like get stuck on their like realistic aspect of things and they're like this is dumb I don't want to watch this it's like have an imagination like yeah. it was really like I think for the time because I mean we've watched it recently and, and we know like how much like technology has improved like filmmaking and all the graphics and it still was really good I mean there's some parts that's like, it holds well, up that's a little iffy but I mean to be from 1997 I mean I think they did a really great job that it didn't look so I mean you watch like Dune and Krull from like the 80s and those it's really you bad you do not talk bad about Krull I love that movie Krull but I'm just saying no it's one of my favorite I'm just saying like the graphic, like when I saw it the first time, I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. I watched it recently and it's like, this was terrible, yeah. but still amazing. So I'm just saying like the way that they filmed it a lot like Star Wars, yeah. where it was a lot of just like models. And so it didn't right. seem, well, it wasn't really, effects. yeah, it wasn't really crazy. Like they weren't trying to like create things out of yeah. nothing. And so I think that really helped to make it like not timeless but like where you could watch it now and it's like ooh, this is really old and looks terrible right well, at the end of the day it was a very fun adventure film um it had a really good mix of comedy action and even drama in it so you know it, it wasn't just kind of it, it, i mean it was sci-fi in a fun way but it didn't get overly sci-fi yeah um but i will say the world that luke basson created in this um was was really cool and not necessarily unique it had a lot of familiar parts it gave Mm -hmm. me a little blade runner vibe um, to the city um but there were other parts that weren't the blade runner like you know he definitely borrowed heavily from the past which most filmmakers do anyway but he put it in a way that was more honoring than just like rip off to me yeah um so i really i really i enjoy this film a lot i watch it quite often probably at least four times a year at least four times a year it's a good it's it's worth rewatching. it's very fun it, it's you know it's not gonna it's not gonna make you like have critical thoughts about stuff but it's just a solid movie it, it, but it can see it like can. you said like you can the thing i like about what like we're talking about fulfillment it's a lot of goofy stuff the ruby rods just goofy and funny but like even even you could you know see some of that because he's very like sexual and you know womanizing but but like you could make parallels to you know entertainment stars of today yeah, like you can make parallels there and talk about it um talk about you know uh consumerism yeah. talk about capitalism and and how that works war there's all these deep concepts seeded into this movie or you can just watch it and it's fun like either way like you do whatever yeah um that's what i really like about fifth element too oh w- one of the other facts that i forgot um i believe it was uh jean paul gautier who was the fashion designer probably mm-hmm. he designed 900 costumes Oof. for all of the backdrop wow. people wow. on the cruise ship that's crazy yeah. like it was they they were all unique they were all like 
he he had a, a hand in all of them. Um, it was a lot of work. So just like the amount of effort that was put into this movie um, at the budget that they had, which it wasn't a huge budget um, at that point after they scaled it back. Um, I just think it's it's it just speaks volumes to like what you can do when you have a great vision, you have a good story and you have actors who are really ready to put themselves into the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I think the, um, the main uh, takeaway from this movie is if you're going to steal something, check the box first <laughs> before, before you... you run away. And then, you know, yeah. before you try to blow things up, make sure the thing you're stealing is in the box. Because <laughs> he didn't learn it the first time he did it. Yeah. No, he, did he did it, it again. again. Yeah. It's like, I would understand the first time, like, oh, crap. But then the next time you just grab a random case yeah. and like, we're good. Let's go. Let's blow up this ship. And then it's Corrupted like, it's not, evil. not in there. And if you're going to set a bomb, make sure you know how to turn it off just in case. Or give yourself more than, what, yeah. five minutes. <laughs> so he, he's, he, got like, it. he stopped it. No, he didn't. No, he did. So, so he stopped it, he but then the other person over. Oh, that's right. That's right. The also had a bomb. That's right. That's right. So yeah, always make sure the thing you're going to steal is in the case. Always, and then steal away, or not. Maybe or don't do that. Don't steal. It's going to get don't, stupid. Don't does not don't does steal. not condone stealing of anything, except our hearts. Where can they email us, Jose? It's going to get stupid at gmail.com. You can go to facebook.com slash it's going to get stupid. You can find us on X at IGTGS show. You can hit us up on Instagram at it's going to get stupid. If you want to go to YouTube and search it's going to get stupid podcast. You can leave a voicemail at 281-870-4055 for all your fifth element pinata needs. Or master pies. What? Master P size. Master P size. Oh my gosh. Or pies. Or pies. You want master pies? Master P size. I don't want any of this. <laughs> yeah, no, this is bad. You started it. <laughs> what was the last thing y'all watched? So uh, we're currently in the middle of it. Uh, okay, we start. Okay, when it came out, we started it immediately, very excited. And then we everyone stopped, was like, oh, it's so good. We stopped after the first episode of Andor because oh. we were like, wow, this is really boring. And then everyone's like, no, no, no. The first two episodes were supposed first to be three. one. First three. The first three episodes were supposed to be one episode, but they broke it up into three. It gets way better afterwards. We're like halfway through. I am trying not to fall asleep. Yeah. I hope it gets better. I'm... I, so we're. I, don't I think love we just it. finished episode five. Don't love it. Rogue One is one of our favorite Star Wars movies. Yes. And uh, I, I think for a bunch of like, uh, I don't know. You think they'd be a little more excited? Their story would be a little more exciting. Yeah. Because they're like. Have you watched it at all, Jose? <sighs> nope. Yeah, I refused. I'm. It, it looked boring to me. <laughs> It is, and I'm really sad about it. I mean, for a bunch of rebels, you yeah. would think that there would be a lot more excitement, but I'm not yeah. getting it. And I told Rick, I'm like, man, the last couple episodes must be really amazing because I'm not getting what everyone's saying. Yeah. 
Like I am, I'm not getting it. So we're we're making our way through it. Usually when we watch these shows, we'll watch like two at a time. Like especially if like the series is already out. I can't. I'm like but just falling asleep. We've been we've been struggling getting through one at a time. And like when I like start nodding off, even though I'm still listening, yeah. then Rick's like yelling at me from the other side of the couch. You. Are you asleep? Are you asleep? <laughs> Wake up! Or he'll like sounds Shh. like I'm abusive. <laughs> And it scares Whoa. the crap out of me because I'm like, I'm like dozing. <laughs> and then he's like, are you asleep? <gasps> no. And that, then I I'm just lie. trying to bring some excitement to the show. You're trying to give me a heart attack. So yeah, I'm, I, I am dozing off and it makes me sad because I really loved this character in Rogue yeah. One. And so I was really excited about this, like history of it, of his character and like how it all began. And I'm having a hard time getting through it. I'm having a hard time getting through it. But speaking of Star Wars, last night at dinner, our son made me very proud. Oh my gosh. He, we, he was like, you know, we haven't watched Star Wars in a very long time. He was like, we should watch all of them. Like we should like go through, like do one movie a day and just watch them all in order like in 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 the in sequence and i was like you know what son yes we will do that yeah let's do it we're excited so our plan is we're gonna do but they haven't watched rogue one because we thought it was a little too dark but they're a little older now we i mean when we went through it before so we'll probably add that into the grouping we will add slow are you gonna watch solo we will add solo even though i will be i'll be really um, mad about that one. We're just going to call it the Chewbacca movie because he was a star in this movie. Yes. Loved Chewbacca. They could have just dropped out Han Solo, which is hard for me to say because I love that character. But Solo was terrible. Chewbacca was amazing. Yeah. So we're going to watch so, it for Chewbacca only. Let me ask you this. If Solo was a movie not about Han Solo, it wasn't called Solo, it's just a movie, yeah. like with the same similar characters, and just replace Han Solo with some other dude, period. Would it have been a better movie? Yes. It was his it wasn't the movie. It was his portrayal of Han Solo. I didn't like yes. it. And yeah. it wasn't that somebody else was playing Han Solo and that's sacrilegious. It was he just did a bad job. I think they could have called it like, you know, smugglers or something. Smugglers. You know? Well, I mean that's what they are, right? Like it, you know, yeah. like it could have been it could have been like, you know, Star Wars Underground or whatever. They should have called it, it Chewy. Else. They could cuz like I I think you know now like i like the star wars world yeah i like some of the i like some of the things that are not in the mainstream movies i think the problem with the mainstream movies is that it's a skywalker saga and it's the stuff we already know and it's like Mm -hmm. kind of outplayed i want to see things like the reason i liked rogue one was because it had some to do with the rest of the story but realistically it didn't even need to have that piece in it and it still would have been a great fantastic star wars film Right. And I, it's because it's in the same universe and it's like stuff that's similar, but it wasn't a bunch of lightsabers. Like, I thought I, thought I wasn't going to like it because there's no lightsabers. Yeah. But there was some at the end. But, um, but it was, still was really cool. And it talked about the force and like how other people view the force. I thought that was all very interesting. And I was like, man, I want to see more of that. Yeah. So when I, I thought about Solo and I'm like, we don't need to know any more about Han Solo. Like, let's learn about smuggling and, and how that happens and who there are. And let's just talk about that cool stuff. And it would yep. have been because they had really great characters in the movie, except for the people that were already in the other movies. Yep. Yeah. And I think I think had they not named it after him, like it puts the spotlight on that performance. They should have done a better casting job because I'm not yeah. saying 
the movie itself, like the actual story wasn't a bad story. It's just the person they cast, he didn't do the character justice. And no. it, it wasn't even, I don't even know what, that wasn't even like a, like a comedic impersonation of Han Solo. It oh, was just really bad. He wasn't, he didn't do a good job. Here's the problem, Holly, is that Han Solo already had his redemption arc. Yeah. Like now it's another redemption arc for him. Like I didn't need that. So I, I, I don't, everything else You're is right. fine, but solo, like solo's whole part, like in, in how he got his name, I that was so cheesy. And I was frustrated about that. Cause like, it's, who cares? Like I didn't, I didn't. It's, it's answering questions I didn't have. Like, or, yeah, I didn't ask. You're right because he enters, he enters a story in a new hope as kind of a bad guy, not like a villain, but like he's not a good guy. No, he's a smuggler, and he's like, I'm going to take these guys, and yeah, I'll run you out. And right. I'm, I'm going to cut and run. I only care about me. I'm, you know, I'm doing all this stuff for these bad people. So he's not good, and he's not the hero. He yeah. becomes the hero over time, yeah. kind of, you know, so I like that about it. But to then, like, know that he's jaded because it's, I was like, oh, man, it kind of really made Solo a wuss, man, to be honest. So I didn't like it. Well, I mean, like, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like her robot. Yeah. She was amazing. Yeah, she's probably Very one of my good. favorite parts and of the movie. And then Chewie yeah. was amazing. And it was just like... There are things about the movie that I wouldn't want to do away with. Right. I mean, I, sure. I think it added a lot of things. Like, it answered some questions. It showed things that happened that we've heard, like, yeah. Han Solo talk about. So, I mean, I thought it was fun to see those things. But I don't know. I just... I. He bothered me every time he came on the screen. I wish they would <laughs> really just focused. Like this man. <laughs> I just really wish they would have focused on Chewbacca. And maybe if they kept the same actor, he would have just been like the buddy cop to Chewbacca. Mm. I don't know. It was just like, could we can still like, if, I don't know, because Chewie got captured and he was in prison. It's like, follow him. I don't care about Solo. Like, follow, yeah. follow Chewie. Because, you know, he was amazing. Like, he was really animated. And I yeah. don't know. Just, I don't know. We'll watch it, but I'm going to grumble the whole time. <laughs> but we do get to see, like, uh, Darth Maul's spider legs, so. Well, no, he's not oh, in yeah. spider legs at that point. He just has the robotic legs. I know, but it's like. Yeah. We get, yeah. To, see, we get to see him with I, le space legs. <laughs> I do wish they had built more upon that, and I thought that that's how they were going to bring in. Um, gosh, I can't remember. Uh, I thought they were going to do a little bit of that with Mandalorian. Kind of make Darth mm. Maul as like the well, kind of underground. It was a nod to the animated stuff right. that they're doing, and that's what it was for. It was for the fans of the animated yeah. stuff. So that was what that. But yeah. it didn't really serve any purpose as far as anything else. Yeah. Ex ex except to give a nod to yeah. the animated it was fan stuff, service. which they really wanted to. I don't know, like yeah. get, get people to watch more of that stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, we're struggling through Andor. We'll yeah, finish struggling. it. I mean, we will Oof. finish it, but I'm having a tough time. I watched a yeah. yeah, I watched a couple episodes of Ahsoka, and I like it so far. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to watch that. Holly and I have not watched Rebels or Clone Wars, or like we started watching Clone Wars and then didn't didn't finish it. I probably got about halfway through. Yeah, Clone, but I don't know. I was like, then kids came, yeah. and it was just there were a lot of things, yeah. a lot of factors. I got I got far enough in a Clone Wars, I think, because I, I was going to rewatch like the last couple seasons and right. then watch Rebels, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to watch Ahsoka. I don't need to watch any of that stuff. I'm just yeah. going to enjoy it. And I've actually enjoyed it a lot. 
um, it's fine. They well, did a good what, job of kind of helping to understand. Because Rick was like, maybe we should watch the other stuff first. And I'm like, I, I think we would enjoy certain aspects of it if we had uh, this Cook. other knowledge. But I think it would still be, uh, I think the character's interesting enough that you don't have to yeah. have watched the animated stuff to enjoy sure. the show. Jose, what was the last thing you watched? Well, uh, speaking of Star Wars, that we've been talking so long, I do want to mention that I've been watching this scene from Revenge of the Sith where Anakin fights Obi-Wan <laughs> over and over again. And not just the fights. Like, I'm skipping to the the, the, the dialogue parts yeah. and just doing the dialogue with the kids over and over again. It's so it's good. Hilarious. Yeah. I have failed you, Anakin. I have failed you. <laughs> In fact, have you seen have you seen the skit? Um, where um, where it's his birthday? Uh, no, 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 no. It, it's it, there's two Jedi and they're fighting a Sith Lord. Are they about to? And he like killed a Jedi Master, and he he takes the Jedi Master's lightsaber and turns it on. It's blue, and then he's like, they're about to attack. He's like, oh, we're gonna take you down. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, Master. I didn't realize it was you. Sorry for that mistake. And the other guys, the other Jedi's looking at him like, what are you what are you talking about? He's the Sith Lord. He's like. Oh, forgive my Padawan, young Padawan here. He doesn't understand that, you know, you're good. And he goes, remember the song, Green and Blue or Friends to the End or something like that. And then the, guy, the guy's like sitting there thinking, what are you talking about? He obviously just killed the Jedi Master. He's the Sith Lord. And then he goes, look, this is his lightsaber. He has the other lightsaber and he force pulls in the other light, the, the actual lightsaber and turns it on and it's red. And then his Jedi master turns to him and his hoods like over him. Now he's like, I have failed you, Padawan. I, he's like, it's, I'm going to send you is yeah. so hilarious. You to send it oh, to it's, us. The greatest, it's the greatest thing ever, man. Yeah. There's another um, one where this guy, um, he's like, he goes, it's my birthday. And because it's my birthday, my girlfriend said she will do whatever I want. Yes. Whatever I always. want. And then then it like cuts to them both in the living room and they're redoing the scene. He's passionately doing the Anakin <laughs> lines. She's just, she's just, she's just reading, him. She's just reading she's like, them. You have done that yourself. <laughs> So, good. so funny i'm like, like man don't make me hug you <laughs> uh, it was, that's so, it's so good that's good uh no the last thing i watched was um two movies the dark knight and the dark knight rises both now, very i good. watched the dark i watched dark knight with my kids for the first time because the little ones have never seen it before so we all watched it and they loved it of course and then i watched dark knight rises by myself because I just wanted to see that movie. Yeah. Um, for the longest time, obviously Dark Knight's a phenomenal film. We don't need to talk about that. But for the longest time, I have like not really liked Dark Knight Rises. I, it's coming out of Dark Knight, I was like, I wish they could have done better. The main thing I didn't like about Dark Knight Rises was the fact that Bane is killed by Catwoman and by a gun. I was like, that's kind of dumb. But it was like a, um, it was a big gun. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't think, like, she couldn't have killed him. I was just, like, that she just came in and saved Batman, and she'd shot him. It was just kind of weird for me. I don't know. It was okay. like, they're about That's to fair. have this big battle. They're about to have this big fight. He's about to kill Batman, and he just, she just shoots him. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, and then some of, the, some of the other, you know, line deliveries are kind of goofy. But I have a newfound respect for the film. Um, it is actually a, a solid movie i know some people we've talked about don't like bane i love tom hardy's bane 
I think is just a very interesting, well-done character, very menacing and evil, which is probably why I was very frustrated that Catwoman just came and shot him. Like, yeah. I think that's my problem. Like, because Batman is beating him up and, like, actually getting the edge on him finally. Yeah. And I would have just liked to see a really good fight between them. Like, so- just... Where he beats him. As soon as the big reveal happens at the end of the movie where, um, gosh, I can't remember the character she plays. Um, Miranda Tate. Miranda Tate. As soon as Talia al Ghul. As soon as Miranda Tate reveals herself as, as Talia al Ghul, Bane immediately becomes a secondary character. Like, he's he's the villain throughout the entirety of the movie. And then as soon as that happens, he might as well be a henchman. Like, yeah, just a random henchman. And then, well, then even even Talia Ghul dies like in a car accident. Like, yeah. come on, guys! I don't know. It's just kind of weird. It's just a weird way to to end that. I mean, you think about like Batman Begins and how Raza Ghul dies. Um, the Joker doesn't die in the film, but Two Face does. Like, there's just just very, just you know, I don't know. It was like solid. We should do, we should so. do a deep dive on um, the Dark Knight at some point uh, because Harvey Dent was a manipulative jerk. Yeah. Uh, oh. the, the entire movie. Well, he's Two Face. He's Harvey Two Face, right? But like he, he was he, gaslighting people too the entire time. Like he goes yeah. in and he and and uh, what's her face is uh, Rachel is worried because he's late and he and she's like, oh, I'm going to take this case. And he's like, let's flip for it. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like I've studied this case. Like I know how to. Like it's my case. So he's like, no, let's flip for it. And then he he wins the coin toss. And he's like, "Oh, it's my case now. Sucks to be no, you." No, that's not that's not what happens, Rick. I just watched this, but you're right. He's still manipulated, <laughs> right? But what it is, he comes in and she's like, she's like, "I was about to have to do it without you." He's like, yeah. "Well, let's let's see if maybe you can do it." And she goes, she goes, "I know these briefs packages where yeah, I can do this, but right. this is like like you're gonna leave this up to chance." He's like never i make my own look and he flips the coin and then it's that and he's like see like as if he were to actually give her he's manipulative because like he was never even going to give her a chance to do exactly that. that's messed up actually yeah. like what the heck dude um and then you know that guy pulls a gun on him so maybe it was better i don't know she probably <laughs> rachel probably would have punched him anyway um yeah but then like and then like she's saying uh she's when when she doesn't want to marry him or she's like thinking about it when he proposes in uh bruce wayne's loft whatever yeah um, when they're having that party and he goes she goes like i don't know you just gotta think about it. he's like it's another guy isn't it oh please tell me it's not wayne i'm like dang man they're like <laughs> friends dude chill out homie like, why are you even what's wrong with you um but yeah i we were talking about this before we started recording but the dark knight rises is actually my favorite part of the trilogy um <laughs> i thought you're about to do your bane voice again which is holly's least favorite part of the trilogy is bane's no, voice no 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 it's bane's voice <laughs> yeah. i i i think Why? like because tom hardy's a great chameleon actor yeah he can really do many things i won't say all things because that's not accurate but he can do a lot of things really well and i think he looked great yeah. and i think he was very like menacing and then he came out with this <laughs> Winnie the Pooh voice. And I'm like, it. every time he talked, I, like, it made me crazy. I'm like, why are you talking like that? Why did you make the choice to have Bane talk like this? Yeah. And not like a gruff, more, uh, like vicious voice yeah it was like i got my hand stuck in the 
punny jar. I don't He's know. probably it's... wondering why you'd shoot a man if you're about to throw him out of an airplane. But why did he talk like an old Winnie the Pooh? Well, it was terrible, and every time he opened his mouth, Robin, it took... please get me my honey. <laughs> it took me out of it. I mean, it. I don't know. It just didn't work for me, and I don't know. Yeah. It was bad. I don't mind it. And probably because I've watched it so many times that I've, I've gotten used to it. But no. it's interesting, like, Christopher Nolan is such a really good director. And obviously, like, he made choices for Bane to have that voice or for Tom Hardy to be okay with doing that voice. He also was okay with Christian Bale going ultra gravelly at certain parts of the third <laughs> movie. This isn't a call. Well, and... and uh... <laughs> Heath Ledger, like, he was Tom Waits. Yeah. Like, the way Tom Waits talks, even the whole licking the... Li they were yeah. like, he was Tom Waits. That was... Yeah. The Joker was Tom Waits. And so, like, there's definitely some some weird choices. But it's like, okay, Tom Waits has a voice that matches this character. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh does not have a voice that matches Bane. So yeah. why would you go there, Christopher Nolan? But I think my favorite part of that third movie is honestly the ending. Like the where oh, you, Batman has his happy ending, Bruce Wayne has a happy ending, and and Alfred has his happy happy ending. Like yeah, he's a terrible. I, well, happy he was really ending. sad. I loved Again, it. Bruce Wayne really jacked with Alfred. That was messed up, bro. Yeah. Because he's at his funeral, he's crying, he's telling the parents, "I failed you, Anakin." Now he's saying, "I failed you." He's like the same <laughs> thing. He's like, "I failed you. I'm sorry. You trusted me, and I failed you." And then he goes on vacation, which is really really odd. Uh, unless he got an invite to go out there, I guess. I don't, I don't know, man. And he just happens to see Bruce Wayne. I'm like, you couldn't just tell. Told Alfred, hey, look, I didn't die. It's okay. But like, pretend I did so that you can move on. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because then why? Well, then why show yourself? Like, you made this guy mourn for you for no reason, and you're still alive, you jerk. I don't know. I just really like it, and I like the um, I like the Robin reveal uh, at the end of it. I do not like the Robin. You don't reveal. like the Robin no. reveal? Oh my no. gosh! Hey, you guys are heartless. Look, that whole ending of the movie is just like bummer because yeah. one Batman would never stop being Batman, no matter what. He can't. Well, no, I mean he's he addicted to it. It's it's and a drug. I get, I get that's Nolan's trying to show. Oh, well, he's gonna. Batman would never settle. He couldn't do it. Also, I think Anne Hathaway was wasted on Catwoman. Like her role was like really wasted. I don't know why she was great, but I just I think they should have used her more. I don't know. I don't Maybe know. they used her perfect amount. I really like the ending. I really love the ending where he swings into the Batcave and the little platform rises up and then it cuts like for the Dark Knight Rises. He's the Dark Knight Rising. Oh, I, know. I get it. No, that's dumb. No, it's great. <laughs> it's so good. It's because I you have it. a man oh. crush on Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Admittedly Thomas, true. What's oh, Thomas Blake? Oh, maybe use my real name, <laughs> Robin. Stupid. <laughs> that's so stupid. Why? Like, they wouldn't have known that was Blake. Like, his name's in the database. Why would they have to use his name? It's stupid. You guys are terrible. Just like that this ending. Isn't, this isn't a car. <laughs> also, Batman did not have enough time to, to, to blow up that bomb and get out. He was dead. He's oh, no, definitely he's dead. definitely dead. Yeah. Even still, they had, like, 15 minutes left, and, like, 30 minutes later, still trying to throw, blow, blow this bomb. I'm like, okay, he's dead. Yeah. Whatever, guys. So, I still love look, this movie. There was, okay, one last thing. If you haven't seen, I would go onto YouTube and type in Aurelnauts, A-U-R-A-L-N-A-U-T-S, and look up Bane Outtakes. It is funny. 
It is hilariously funny. Are they real outtakes? No, they just overdub like Bane, and it's it is talking about strawberries and fight. It's hilarious. (laughs) It is so funny. I love it. I watch that all the time too. They do the Bane voice perfectly. Whatever you guys, that's what I watched. I still love that movie. If you love that movie, then you can email us and let us know at it's going to get stupid at gmail.com. You can go to facebook.com slash it's going to get stupid. You can find us on X at IGTGS show. Hit us up on Instagram at it's going to get stupid. You can search it's going to get stupid podcast on YouTube. And you can leave a voicemail at 281-870-4055 and let Holly and Jose know why they're wrong about that ending. We are right or about you can all leave the it endings. In your best Bane voice. And tell us about the piñatas you want. Hello, it's going to get stupid. I'm talking to you with this voice. My hand got stuck in the honey jar. I don't know, Piglet. Maybe we should go over there. (laughs) You guys are jerks. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 